little boy who was not um, listening to his mom. And he was doing whatever he wanted to do. And she sat him down and she said, Jimmy, how do you expect to get into heaven? He thought for a minute. He says, you know, I think when I get there, St. Peter's standing there. I'll run in and out and in and out and I'll slam the door and in and out and in and out. And at some point he'll say to me, Jimmy, for heaven's sake, are you coming in or going out? And then I'll just go right in. (laughs) And today we are going to talk about heaven. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation 21 this morning. Revelation chapter 21. We've been in a series of messages that we have called spoiler alert because we've been looking at how things will end what's going to happen at the end of time how the book of the bible and how the bible that book ends will be in the last book of the bible primarily today revelation chapter 21 in this series we've talked about the rapture we've talked about the judgment seat of christ we've talked about tribulation we talked about hell we've talked about some happy things we've talked about some hard things and this week we've saved the best thing for last on mother's day and uh, and so excited to talk to you about this today here's here's where we'll begin I know that as we talk about this subject of heaven, I can't even begin to scratch the surface. I mean, there's so many details, so many things that Scripture does tell us. And yet, one of the things that's really interesting about these topics, and I think we've seen this all through, whether it's when we talked about the rapture, tribulation, we talk about hell, we talk about heaven, what Scripture does do is not try to answer every question. In fact, as as you study these things, in many ways, it just stirs up some more questions in us as we try to figure it out and we try to understand it. Here's Here's the difference, I think. I think when we talk about these subjects, and this is the approach we'll take to heaven today, Scripture does not try to be a tour guide. It's more like a travel agent. What's the difference? Well, a tour guide is someone who, as you go on the tour, they try to answer every question. They point out every historical thing. They're gonna they're gonna point out the neat facts. They're gonna try to give you every detail of the experience. I don't think that Scripture is a, is a tour guide as we talk about heaven. I think it's more like a travel agent. Because the issue for Scripture, for the subject of heaven, isn't so much that you get every detail answered, but that you find out enough to know that you want to make a reservation to be there. And so today, that's how we're going to approach this today. We're going to talk about this subject of heaven. When we talk about heaven, we're going to use the term a little bit loosely from a theological sense. And we're going to use it to talk about what will happen in the afterlife For those who are followers of Jesus Christ, who scripture will refer to as the saved or the righteous. What happens in the next life for those of us who are followers of Jesus? And so we'll look at that today. We're going to talk about this. Last week we talked about three things that hell is. If you remember we talked about hell and we said hell is real. We said hell is torment. And we said hell is a choice. In the very same way I want to talk about heaven today. What scripture tells us. I want to share with you three things that heaven is. Three things heaven is, and we'll jump right in. Number one, heaven is real. We believe that heaven is real, that it's a real place, that it's a real truth, that it's a real part of our future. In my family, we've all got um, cell phones. My wife, Ron, and I have three kids. We all have a cell phone. And so our kids have started kind of this little saying that if you say, hey, I saw something cool or I went somewhere or I did something, the line is this, picture or it didn't happen, Right? If you didn't take a picture, we don't believe you. You can tell us how great it was. A picture or it didn't happen. And that's, that's the line. And sometimes that's how we view heaven. We say, well, man, if I haven't seen it, how do I believe in it? 
And sometimes it takes a step of faith, and we have to believe in what the truth of Scripture tells us. Now, there's all kinds of things in pop culture about what heaven is, and people who say they've been there, and some that seems legit with Scripture, some that seems a little questionable. Here's what we know, though. As we look at Scripture, Scripture speaks about heaven. It says it's real, and even more, Scripture gives us several eyewitness accounts, people who took a mental picture and then told us about it. Let me share three of them with you. The first is this. Stephen, who was one of the leaders in the early church, this is his experience. Experience. Verse 55 of Acts chapter 7. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. So he had an experience, he had an encounter where he saw heaven. Paul did as well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes about this experience. And he, he writes it as if he's talking about someone else because he's being humble here and not... And as you read it, you figure out this was Paul who had this experience. And in some way, God took him to heaven. And he tells about it. Look at what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Now, the third heaven is a Jewish term. It would refer to the first heaven, would be kind of the area around us where the, the birds fly. The second heaven would be the stars and the moon and, the, and, the, and the, the, the celestial bodies that we see. And then the third heaven is where God is, first, second, third. And so here's what Paul says. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. Paradise is a term that's used to refer to where the righteous go after death in God's presence. Was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. Paul says, I went to heaven and it blew my mind. It was so amazing, I can't even, can't even describe it couple things just to go back to what we talked about last week. First is this. When a Christian dies, they go immediately to be in the presence of the Lord. And sometimes we refer to that as heaven. We saw last week when we talked about hell that, that when we die, there's no kind of intermediate state. There's no soul sleep. There's no purgatory where you have to earn your way somewhere. What we believe from Scripture is that when we die, we find ourselves in the place of our eternal destiny, whether that be heaven or or hell. And scripture says that when a Christian dies, they go immediately to be in the presence of the Lord. Scripture also tells us that at some point, if you remember when we went back several weeks ago, we talked about the tribulation, we kind of had that timeline we looked at, and we had that season of tribulation, then the thousand year period of the millennium, that after that, we saw that the earth as we know it, and even the heaven as it exists in this season of time, those things will be destroyed, and that God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. There is a perfect new heavens and a new earth that Christ is preparing for all people of all time who have accepted Him. And so we see this, that heaven is a real place. Probably the clearest eyewitness account that we have of this comes from Revelation chapter 21. John is, is taken in a vision and he goes to heaven and he sees it. And he describes this new heaven and this new earth for us. Revelation 21, look at what he says. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. John says, look, I saw it. Heaven is real. So that's the first thing I hope you'll see today. When we talk about heaven, that heaven 
is very real. Then in the next four verses, John goes on to describe heaven for us. So I want to take some time and talk about these next four verses and show you the second thing that we see about heaven. If number one, heaven is for real, number two, heaven is wonderful. Heaven is wonderful. Now, I I tried to find a better word because wonderful, we use that for all kinds of stuff, right? But as I thought about it, when I think about heaven, it fills me with wonder. It's so difficult for us to grasp and understand because it's so amazing. So heaven is wonderful, and I want to tell you why. Watch these next four verses, what John says about how heaven is wonderful. Revelation 21, look at verse 2. He says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. He says this very clearly, that heaven is such a special and unique place because God has prepared it for us. He's made it ready for us. It's the place that he's desired for those of us who are followers of him to go to. So heaven is so wonderful. It will be wonderful because it is especially prepared for believers. It's a place that God's made very special that he's prepared for us to be there. Heaven will be wonderful because it's especially prepared for believers. There was a custom in the New Testament in in Jesus' day among Jewish people that if you were going to get married in the days leading up, maybe even a year out from your wedding, the groom would begin to prepare the home for him and his bride. Whether that would be kind of in the family home area or somewhere else, he would go and he would prepare that home so that then once they were married, they could be there together. With that in mind, with that, with that symbolic custom in mind, listen to what Jesus says in John 14. Very familiar passage of scripture. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Jesus says, look, just as a husband prepares a special place where he can be with his bride, I'm going to prepare a special place where I can be with you, those who I love, with the church, the bride of Christ. So this is extremely significant when we see this, because Jesus says heaven is a place that is specifically, specially prepared for us to be with heaven, which in heaven with him, which causes us to ask this question, well, what are, what are we going to do there? I mean, we're there for eternity. That's even longer than one of your sermons. What, 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 what are we, we going to do? And when you look at cartoons or pictures or, or stories, we think about we sit on a cloud and we sing songs and we play our harps forever. And as cool as that sounds, because I, like I like to relax, just like anybody else, chilling on a cloud, that sounds kind of cool. And I actually play the guitar, so I feel like I'm ready, right? I mean, hey, that's, that's kind of cool. But I'm not so sure that I want to strum and hum for all of eternity. What are we going to do? What are we going to do when we get there? The Bible says heaven's a place of rest. And so all those things that cause us anguish or distress or frustration, they'll be gone. And we'll be able to rest there. The Bible also says that heaven is a place of worship. Where we will give God the worship, the the respect, the honor that he's worth. And when you see something amazing, you, you can't help but just, wow, that's 
that's cool. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I can't get over. Imagine what it will be like when we are actually, literally, in the presence of God. We'll worship Him. And the other thing is this. We will serve there. We're going to be active. We're going to work in the way that we've been created to without frustration. Look at this. Revelation 22, verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. So listen to this. We will rest, worship, and serve God in heaven. When we get there, we're not just going to chill on clouds. We're going to worship. We're going to rest. We're going to serve Him. And here's the thing. Whatever we do, we will be fulfilled there. Why is life so frustrating for us sometimes? Because we don't find fulfillment. We're frustrated. We're not getting what we want. We don't feel like we're doing what we're created to do. We, we struggle with things because we don't feel like things are right. But in heaven... Everything's going to be right. We won't have frustrations. We will worship. We'll serve Him. We'll rest there in a perfect way. And sometimes people ask the question, well, what, a, what about um, this? What about that? You know, this is what I like to do on earth. This is where I find satisfaction. This is where I find pleasure. Will I be able to do that in heaven? Will I be able to have that thing in heaven? When I get to heaven... Will the things that give me pleasure here exist there? Almost as if we're worried that when we get to heaven, we're going to get ripped off. Oh, you didn't tell me we weren't going to have this here. I might have changed my mind, right? Listen to this scripture. Great principle here. Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So here's the deal. When I get to heaven... I'm going to be filled with pleasure. I not only will be fulfilled, but it's going to be wonderful. So watch this. Whatever pleasure we find on earth is only a taste of what we will experience in heaven. Whatever pleasure we find on earth, it's just a hint. It's, he's just teasing us with the pleasure we'll find in heaven. Eternal pleasure at God's right hand. So whatever it is that brings you satisfaction or joy or pleasure in this life, realize that as as good as it might be, it's just short-lived, but in His presence will be eternal pleasure for all the rest of time. It's, It's amazing to think about. The other thing that comes in this place that's specifically, especially prepared for us, will be a great reunion. Because there's those that we love that we'll see in heaven again if they have known Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Here's here's how we, we figure this out. As you read through Scripture, repeatedly, Scripture says that in the next life, we will see, and it mentions people by name. It mentions Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. It speaks about going back to your fathers in the Old Testament. So it inclines us to believe that we will know people that we've known in this life in heaven. In fact, even people we haven't known will have knowledge of who they are. Even to the point that there will be a reunion of loved ones. In, um, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, it tells the story of a time when, when David lost a child. King David had a child that was born and the child did not live and, and the child died and he was grieving and he was wrestling and praying and seeking the life of this child. But watch what he says. Interesting principle here. 2 Samuel twelve twenty three. David answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? That's a rhetorical question. Of course, the answer to can I bring him back again is no. I will go to him, but he will not return to me. 
It speaks here of the finality of death, that when you die in this life, this life is over. But it also speaks to the next life, that even though this life is over, there is another life. And in that place, we will be reunited. Even though I can't have him come to me, I will go to him. And it gives us hope because for many of us, there are people who are in heaven that we long and would love to see again, right? So we hold on to that. It reminds us that we will be reunited with loved ones in heaven. We will be reunited with loved ones in heaven. And for some of you, you go, that's that's cool. I can't wait to see grandma again. But what about Rover? Do all dogs go to heaven? Okay, you people are so funny. Because sometimes you'll just sit here through the whole sermon and text, work on grocery lists and sleep and stuff. But I mentioned dogs going to heaven. People are like, yes. There's a lady on the front row first service. I said, do dogs go to heaven? She's like, yes, they do. And I'll fight you if you think. I, I mean, she was like, tell you what, my dog's going. I got a friend who said, we were talking about this week. He's like, I guarantee you my dog is not going to heaven. And if I get there and the pearly gates open up and that dog's standing there with his tongue hanging out greeting me, so help me, I'm kicking that dog right out of eternity. <laughs> what does Scripture say? It's an interesting thought. Here, and and I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that I have theology here. I just Here's a thought for you. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 6. This is a prophecy about the afterlife. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. The young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now this passage speaks specifically about the fact that God will reign in in peace during the millennium and into into the afterlife, into the future. But it does mention that animals will be involved in some way, doesn't it? So for some of you, that's, that's really cool. But you're like, but my dog's not in there, right? I don't know. I don't know about your dog. I don't know how that's going to play out. Here's what I do know. That whatever pleasures you have enjoyed in this life are only a taste of what you'll experience in heaven. We look forward to what God has in store for us. Because it's going to be wonderful. Not only because he's prepared it, but look at verse 3 of Revelation 21. John writes, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And this is powerful because this is what makes heaven really heaven. Heaven will be wonderful because God is there. Heaven will be wonderful because God is there. That's what makes heaven so special. See, heaven is God's home. That's where he lives that's, if, you, if you drive up to heaven, you look at the mailbox, it's got God on it. It's his house. And that's what makes heaven so unique because we will be like him. Not like we've seen today. Not like we know today. In the midst of all the distractions, we'll be face to face. We'll have relationship and intimacy like we've never had with him before. Heaven is God's home. That's where we will find him. And that's the promise that's there. In fact, when you go to Revelation chapter 22, John writes more about this. And he says that in heaven, everything that we've ever needed, it'll be met there. There doesn't have to be a sun there. There's no night there. 
Because what happens is God is there. And from His throne and in Jesus' presence, that's where the light comes from. That's where the hope comes from. That's where love comes from. We will lack for nothing in God's presence because that's what heaven is really all about. And He makes this incredible promise to us. In the presence of God, we find everything that we need. So whatever it is you're looking for, realize this. Heaven really isn't about streets of gold, although they're there. It's not just about pearly gates, although they're going to be super cool. It's not just about what we'll experience there. Not dive-bombing angels coming after you with their wings. You know what heaven's about? It's about Jesus and that He's there and we're with Him in the place He's prepared. It's it's Mother's Day and so this is a good time for me to give a a shout-out to a couple of people. I am um, a very, very blessed man. Um, My mother-in-law and you can you can joke about those things because sometimes it's just on the tee, right? But I am I am blessed with a wonderful mother-in-law who has, um, in our twenty-some years of marriage, never been anything but encouraging, and and prayed for us and and uh, stood stood beside us, and so thankful for that. And I said this in the last couple of services, and I don't know if this is appropriate to say, but my mom is off the hook. I'm telling you. Um, my mom's sitting just right over here, and I, I can tell you that um, I am so blessed um, to have a woman who has taught me perseverance and has taught me a love for Jesus, and she has done it with more grace. She's done it with more grace than your mom. I can tell you that right now, right? My mom's cooler than your mom, and, uh, and I'm so thankful for that. And, and then my kids um, are so blessed because their dad married out of his leak. And uh, I'm just so thankful um, for my wife. She is an amazing mom. And, uh, and, and I kind of told her I was sorry in the last service because two weeks ago when I told the story about her hiding back there on me, I called her second cousin of the Antichrist. And that probably wasn't, uh, that probably, that probably wasn't good. And then last week I said she was crazy because she likes to hang over the edge of the Grand Canyon. Remember I said that, told that story? Um, and uh, here's the deal. That's why I love her. And, uh, and I'm, I'm so blessed. And I remember we, we got married in between my junior and my senior year of college. We'd been high school sweethearts. And um, so um, we got married that summer. And then we were, we were going to go back. So we went to college at Central Bible College. And then we went home back to Ohio. where born in Ohio where we were from. We got married. And then we, 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 uh, one, one Saturday we got married. The, the next Saturday in August we packed up and we moved 12 hours away and moved back to Springfield, Missouri. And before we left for, for college in, in like, like May, then my junior year, we, we bought a mobile home that was on the campus. They had a little trailer park on the campus of, of Central Bible College. And so that was, that was going to be our little home. And my cars today are worth far more than what that little trailer was worth, right? It was 12 by 50. And I bought my bride a tin can for us to live in. And but it was a tin can of love, I'm telling you. And, uh, and that, was our, that was our place. So we bought it. We kind of got a little fixed up. Everything was ready. And then we went back home and we got married. And then we moved back to this place. Now, I will tell you this. I, I, in my heart, I just have such a special place in my heart for that place. It wasn't the gnarly, nasty, dark wood paneling inside of that place that made it so special. It wasn't the bathroom that was smaller than any closet in my house today, Right? That's not what made it so special. You know what made it special? She was there. And I was with her. And we were together in a way that, that we never had been before in that place that was prepared for us. 
Streets of gold are cool. Pearly gates are neat. But you know what makes heaven heaven? It's that Jesus is there. And you're going to be with him in a way like you never were before. Without distraction, without hindrance, without fear. We're going to be in his presence. And we can't even begin to comprehend what that's going to be like. That's why heaven's wonderful. But that, that's, it's not just wonderful because of what is there. Think about this. Look at verse 4 of Revelation 21. It says, He will wipe every tear away from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Heaven's not just cool because of what will be there. Heaven will be wonderful because of what will not be there. Heaven's going to be great because of what we won't have to experience. Like I did some traveling this week. And when you're traveling, driving long distances, you're driving and at some point you've got to stop because you've got to eat or you've got to use the restroom. And so what do you do? You pull into a gas station or a truck stop. And the, the restroom in a, in a gas station or a truck stop is usually gauged not by what is in there, but by what isn't in there, right? You're not going in there and going, oh, look at this, this is cool. No, you ask the question, is it clean <laughs> or is it nasty? You gauge it by what isn't in there. Look at what this scripture tells us about heaven, about what won't be there. If you go back to verse 1, remember, John said right away, there will be no sea in heaven. And some of you, if you're surfers, you're like, bummer, dude. You know, because you're like, what's that mean? He's not talking about a geographic body of water. When you read through the book of Revelation, you see that the sea is representative of everything evil. In fact, as you read it, evil incarnate comes up out of the sea. And the sea symbolizes a place that is uncertain and a place that is unknown. And he says, look, when you get to heaven, there'll be no evil. There'll be no uncertainty. There'll be no lack of stability. It won't be there to the point that because evil won't be there, there'll be no tears, there'll be no pain, there'll be no sorrow, there'll be no mourning, there'll be no death. You know, all that stuff, all that... They're the scars of sin. Because we live in a sinful world, right? We live in a world gone wrong. We talked about this last week. And as a result, what do you deal with? Pain, loss, hurt, death, crying. It's not there. It's not going to be there. This is what makes heaven so special. In heaven, the scars of sin will be gone forever. In heaven, the scars of sin will be gone forever. And on a day like Mother's Day, that's so critically important. Because for some of you, out of the 365 days of the year, this is the day that you can look at your kids and say, it's all about me and you better get it right. Right, moms? For some of you, this is the day. For others of you, it's a tough day. Because this day just amplifies your loss. It just points out the things that you don't have or that you used to have. For some of you, this day is is more marked with tears and sorrow and mourning and death and pain than it is with joy, which is why it's so important for us to remember that in heaven, none of that's going to be there. Why? Uh, Look at verse 5. This is cool. He who was seated on the throne said, this is God speaking, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Heaven will be wonderful because all will be made new. God speaks there. He actually speaks in that passage for only the second time in the book of Revelation. And he says, 
I am making all things new. I don't know what's deteriorated in your life. I don't know if it's your hope. I don't know if it's your health. I don't know if it's your finances. I don't know if it's your body. I don't know if it's your relationships. I don't know what it is. I don't know where those places are where you struggle because you feel like things are falling apart. I just know this, that God says, I am making all things new. And he says it with the authority that comes from his throne. He says it with the power that only he can have. And every so often, I'll say something and I'll be like, oh, that's good. Write that down. Like I'll say something and I'll pull out my phone and I put it in there because it's like, oh, that was, that was good. i got to remember that. And God says, I am making all things new. And then he goes, write that down. That's good. He says, because it's trustworthy and it's true that wherever it is in your life that you feel like there's loss or there's pain or there's hurt, hang on to the hope of heaven. This is really important for some of you to hear because life has left you jaded and scarred. Life has left you challenged and struggling. Life has put you in a place where you're not so sure you can trust or believe anymore. And the God in the midst of all of that looks at you with all the love and the authority that he has. And he says, I am making all things new. Write it down because you can take that one to the bank. But here's the deal. You're not going to get it. I don't know if we can ever get it. Because it's, it's so wonderful that it's so tough for us to understand. You may be familiar with uh, the author C.S. Lewis. He was probably one of the greatest Christian thinkers of the last century. He wrote books like The Screwtape Letters, Mere Christianity. And uh, if you're familiar with the Chronicle of Narnia series, he, he wrote those books and the movies that came out of that. And he wrote a, a group of essays in a book called The Weight of Glory. And, and one of them is called Transposition. And in that essay, he talks about these things, and he talks about heaven. And one of the analogies that he makes is he says, imagine you were given a piece of music that was written for a symphony. It was written for a whole orchestra. It was written for all kinds of instruments. You've got piccolos and flutes and timpanis and, and brass, and you've got strings, and you've got all these different sounds. Then you have this piece of music that was written for an orchestra, but you've only heard it played on a piano. And if all you've ever heard is this played on a piano, then you have not fully grasped what it was intended to sound like. Imagine this. Imagine also that maybe the only sound you've ever heard is a piano. Maybe you've never heard a timpani. Maybe you've never heard a piccolo. So you can't even begin to imagine what it might sound like because all you've ever known is the sound of a piano. Could you fully enjoy that music? No, because you can't comprehend what it's really supposed to sound like until you hear those instruments for yourself. I can talk to you about heaven all day long, but you'll never fully get it until you see it for yourself, right? Because we can't even begin to comprehend it. We can't even begin to understand. That's why we say heaven is wonderful. Because when we talk about it, it fills us with wonder, which leaves us then in this place. What do we do? Three things I want you to know about heaven. Number one, it's real. Number two, it's wonderful. Number three, last thing, heaven is a choice. And you've got to choose what to do about it. And I want to challenge you to make some choices in some different ways. Here's the first one. I want you to choose Jesus. I'm going to invite you today to choose Jesus. There was a Sunday school teacher. She was teaching her class about heaven and, and how to get there. And so she says to them, now kids, let's say I were to take everything that I owned and I sold it and then I gave all the money to help out people who are poor. Would that get me into heaven? And the class was like, no, teacher. And she's like, well, what if I was kind to everyone I knew and I was very nice and I gave them all kinds of grace and I helped them with things. Would that be what I would need to do to get into heaven? And the kids were like, no, teacher. 
And she was like, what if I was super smart and I knew everything about the Bible and I could answer every question? Would that be enough to get me into heaven? And they were like, no, teacher. And she asked all these things about good deeds and knowledge and being generous and kind to people. Would that get me into heaven? No. And finally she says, well, if I want to get into heaven, what do I have to do? And there's a little boy in the back of the class and he piped up and he yells, if you want to go to heaven, you got to be dead. And some people think that's it. I mean, sometimes that's how we talk about it. Well, they died and they're in a better place. They don't have pain anymore. Everything's good for them now. They're, they're in heaven. But if, if you were here last week, you realize that there's, there's more to it than that. Sometimes we assume that everybody that dies goes right to heaven. And last week we talked about the fact that we have a choice. Naturally, in our lives, because of sin, we're on that slow slide to hell that we talked about. But God sent His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross, and He rose again, and He lives today, so He can snatch us out of that place. See, God doesn't want to send you to hell. He wants to snatch you out of it. That's why I challenge you to choose Jesus. When Jesus talked about um, that place that he would prepare for them in John 14 that we read earlier, this was a response of one of his friends. John 14, verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, read this with me if you would, please. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we live in a world that likes to say there's many paths to God and it comes by karma and it comes by good deeds and it comes by this and it comes by that. Here's the bottom line, folks. I didn't make it up. It's in the Bible. In a world of many paths, Jesus is the only way. And we can make all kinds of decisions and we can hope that things will work out good, but hope is not a strategy. We need truth. And when you have truth, then you place your hope in the truth. And here's the truth. In a world of many paths, Jesus is the only way. And for some of you, if I, if I had to ask you today, if this was the end of your life, would you go to heaven? You wouldn't be sure. You wouldn't know for sure. Because you've got to choose to make him your Lord. That means, God, I give you control of my life. A great analogy is to say, Lord, I, I give you the steering wheel of my life. That you guide me and you direct me. You be my Lord. And we talk about him being our Savior. That we can't do anything with our own sins and faults. But Jesus died on the cross so we could know his forgiveness in his life. And if you choose to make him your Lord and your Savior, then you can know with confidence that you'll spend eternity in heaven with him. And if you don't know that today, before we're done here, I want to give you a chance to respond. But before we get there, let me challenge you with a couple other things. Not only to choose Jesus, but I want to challenge you to choose to live with eternity in mind. I mean, if there's any reason why we've gone through these messages the last five weeks, it's this. I want you to know that this life is not over when this life is over. There's more to it. And every day we need to live knowing that there is a future eternity in mind. Peter wrote this, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11, when he was talking about how this earth will be destroyed and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. He says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. He goes on to say this in verse 14. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Here's the truth. Today's actions have eternal consequences. We've said it over and over again in this series. I don't want you to think you can just live today any way you want and it's not going to matter. 
The truth of Scripture very clearly is this. The way you live today has a bearing in how you will spend eternity. Today's actions have eternal consequences. And they have them not just for you. They have them for those in your life as well. So here's a third choice I hope you make. I hope you choose to take others with you. That you'll share this good news about what Jesus did for us. Those in your workplace and in your school and in your family will know the difference that Jesus has made in, in your life and that as a result, they'll desire to have him change their lives as well and that you will choose to take others with you. Because when you go to heaven, are, are you going to have a U-Haul? <laughs> no, you just, you just take your soul and you have the opportunity to play a part in seeing that others go as well. I think there's this real fitting verse in, in Third John, in the first chapter, verse 4. He's writing there to people that he loves. And on Mother's Day, this is so significant. Listen to what brings him joy in his life. He says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I'm going to guess that for just about every mom, that's the most satisfying thing that you can know. That ultimately the most important thing in your role as a parent is to know that your child has made the reservations to go to heaven. That they have that relationship with Jesus Christ. And that you don't have to fear their eternal destiny, but you'll know that you can spend eternity in heaven, not just with them, but in particular with Jesus Christ. Listen, parents, you are planting seeds of eternity in the lives of your children. And it doesn't stop when they turn 18. Your role as a mom, your role as a dad, your role as a mentor, your role as a coach, your role as a friend, your role as an investor in their life, your role as a spiritual authority that God has given to you is to make sure that their focus is not just on the things of this life they are going to pass away, but they look at the things that will not pass away that are eternal. You are planting seeds of eternity in the lives of your children. And you cannot miss that or take that for granted. And with all of this in mind, I just want to challenge you with one last thought that you'll choose to hope that you'll choose to hope because when the Bible talks about heaven remember I I see it more like a travel agent than a tour guide because the Bible's not trying to give us all the details on this thing in fact why why do we have scripture about heaven primarily some of the things that we've looked at as we've gone through this whole series has been the letters that Peter wrote and then then of course the book of Revelation where John was writing to the church about the vision that he had of what's going to happen in the future but the reason that both of those guys Peter and John the reason that both of them wrote the letters that they wrote they wrote the things that they wrote because they were writing to a church that they needed to encourage they were writing to a church that was facing persecution they were writing to people who were going through a hard time and they were saying to them do not give up do not give in do not stop in the middle of this because i know you're going through a hard time right now but this is not the end in fact this isn't even really real when this is done then real life starts and it will be better than you can imagine so in the midst of the trials that you're facing today choose to hope because our hope is in heaven now that was true two thousand years ago But there is nothing more important for some of you to hear today 
Because you're walking through trials. Some of you literally are going through persecution. Some of you know what it's like to lose things. Some of you are struggling to make it day to day. And I don't know if you're tired because of school, or you're tired because your body's falling apart, or you're tired because of life, or you just have all kinds of doubts. I've got friends that are making decisions about the future, and they don't know what the right thing to do is. They just know they're wrestling with uncertainty, and they're just trying to do their best. And the hope that was needed 2,000 years ago when Peter and John wrote to the church is the very same hope that you you need today and it's this that in the midst of life and the things you're facing today there is hope in heaven so hang in there and do not give up now i want to read a passage of scripture to you and i think it's critical it's from first peter chapter one verse three in fact when peter wrote it he was introducing his letter to a church who was going through a hard time and he's saying to them i want you to choose to hope And I want to read this whole passage today. In fact, you might want to write it down. Because if you don't need it today, you're going to need it tomorrow. (laughs) 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. And I want to read it. But I know what happens when I'm in church and a preacher starts reading a long passage of Scripture. I drift off to sleep. Like some of you are right now. So here's what we're going to do. I don't want you to just hear it. I want you to get it. So as I read this, would you, would you aloud read it with me? And let it not just be Bible. Let it be life to you. Listen to what Peter says to people who needed hope. Read this with me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Come on, let's read it together. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's a good word, isn't it? You can hang on to that. The reality of heaven gives us real eternal hope in the midst of real earthly hassles. How many of you have real earthly hassles? How many of you it's lunch on Mother's Day? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. You face hassles. And in the midst of that, you have real eternal hope because it's hidden for you in heaven. That's what we hold on to. Yeah, but Chad, I'm just telling you. I don't get it. I don't understand it. This whole thing just blows my mind. You talk about a rapture. You talk about a tribulation. You talk about hell. You talk about heaven. It's so many things that I just... I have a hard time understanding. I've not seen it. I don't get it. How does it play out? Let me challenge you with this. 
Every question we have about heaven reminds us of the unimaginable life that awaits us there. See, the reason you don't get it is because, forgive me, I said this last week, I don't mean to offend you, but it's just true. The reason you don't get it is because your little pea brain can't comprehend it. It's too big for us. One last story and then we'll go get lunch with mom. C.S. Lewis, in uh, that same essay, Transposition, is trying to help us understand this. And he says, let me tell you a fable. He says, imagine there's a woman who's thrown into a dungeon. Hundreds of years ago, she's thrown into a dungeon. And she's tossed in there. And all she has is the straw on the floor. She has the stone walls around her. She has the steel bars in front of her. And as she looks way up, there's a grate in the top, far above her reach. It's so far up that all she sees is a little patch of sky. She gets a little bit of light. That's all she knows. She can't even see anything outside of it. Just that little piece of sky. And she spends her existence, sky, stone walls, straw, steel bars. That's all she has. And when she was thrown into that dungeon, she was expecting her child. And so she gave birth to this child in this dungeon. So all this child has ever known is life in this dungeon. And he has grown up in this. All this child has ever known, straw floor, stone wall, steel bars, a little bit of sky. That's it. That's all he has. And so this mom knows that it's up to her to try to tell him about the world outside of the dungeon. Because she's holding on to that hope that one day they'll get out of there and they'll experience what life is really supposed to be all about. And so she tells him stories and she tries to help him to understand this is what life is like outside of the dungeon. And she was an artist. And she was thrown into this dungeon. And when she was, she was able to bring with her just a few sketch pads and a set of pencils. And so every day she would draw something for her son. She would say, outside of here, this is what it's like. And so she would draw for him trees and rivers and valleys and mountains and people and animals and homes. And she would, she would try to help him to understand, outside of here, son, hold on to hope. Because there's life outside of this dungeon. It's more than just this little patch of sky. I want you to see it. I want you to know it by and large she did a great job of helping him to see that outside of where we are there's a beautiful life that waits for you time out on the story for a minute because mom that's that's your job you are planting seeds of eternity in the lives of your children your role is to help them mom and dad to understand that outside of this life there is real life there is life that matters. There is life that is eternal. So don't trade what matters for what doesn't last. Build your life on what will last for eternity. So this mom would draw pictures. This mom would tell stories in that dungeon. C.S. Lewis said she would share with her son, this is what life is like outside of these straw floors, stone walls, steer bars, blue sky. And then one day he said, mom, so everything looks... Everything looks like this? And she, she said, no. It doesn't, it doesn't look like this. Because there's, there's more than just pencil lines. She says, son, it's not just lead on a page. There's, there's colors that you can't even begin to understand. And then the wind blows and things, things move. It's not, just, it's not just lines. It's alive. And you, you smell things and you see things and you feel the breeze and you see things move and the river flows. She says, you, you can't even begin to understand what life is like outside of this dungeon until you see it for yourself. Now, here's the deal for you and me. Although I'd like more money in my bank account. And although there's things that I wish I could have in this life. The bottom line is this. For those of us who live in Northwest Ohio. For you and I. There's not a whole lot that we lack is there. 
And so many days, we don't think of much that we think we need. We're pretty content right here in this life. But let me tell you this. I don't care what kind of mansion you live in today. It's just a dungeon compared to what heaven's going to be someday. And there are colors, and there are smells, and there are sounds that my little pea brain and your little pea brain can't even begin to comprehend. And the bottom line is this. Someday, we're going to get out of this dungeon. And when we do, we're going to see things that we've never seen before. We're going to experience things that we've never experienced before. And someday, for you, this life is going to end. And my prayer is that when you open your eyes, your eyes are going to pop open and your mouth is going to drop and you are not going to be able to speak because Paul says it's inexpressible what you're going to see there. And it's going to blow your mind and you're going to see streets of gold and you're going to see pearly gates and you're going to see dive bombing angels. You'll see the whole thing and none of it's going to matter because you know who's going to be standing right there in front of you? Jesus. That's what heaven's really all about. So would you bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment? Because I really got one thing, just one thing that I care about today. See, I'm not your tour guide. I just want to be your travel agent. I just want to know if you made reservations. Because heaven is a real wonderful place. I just want to know if you've chosen to go there. For some of us, we just know with great confidence that heaven is is sealed as our eternal home. But for some of you, you, you're not so sure. If your life ended today, when you opened your eyes, would you find yourself in heaven? Or not? Maybe at one point you knew for sure that you would. But today's been a reminder that you and God haven't been on the best of terms lately. And even though things may have been right at one point, You've walked away from him as that place of Lord in your life. And you need him once again to be your savior and bring forgiveness and to bring life. Or maybe you've never made that decision. Maybe even some of this today is just brand new to you. And today you say, God, I I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I need that real life that only comes from you. Jesus, I make you my Lord and my Savior. I acknowledge that your death on the cross paid the price for my sins and that your resurrection has come to bring me life. And today, I don't want to wonder. I want to know with confidence that I'm going to heaven and I make you my Lord and my Savior. There's no better thing that you can do on Mother's Day than to make a decision to choose Jesus. So if you're here today and you say, I don't know that I would go to heaven, but I know for sure that I want to, and I make Jesus my Lord and my Savior today, would you just raise your hand? Just got to raise it, put it right back down. I just want to pray with you. You say, I don't know, but I want to. I need him in my life. I can't do it on my own anymore. I need to make right what has been wrong. I need his forgiveness. I need his grace. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? You can put it right back down. I just want to pray with you. Acknowledge it for you and God. Lord, this is what I need from you today. If you raised your hand or if you know with confidence that Jesus is your Savior, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus, for sending your Son to die for my sins. Today, I make you my Lord. I give you control of my life. I ask you to be my Savior. I accept your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy for me. I choose today to live for Jesus who died for my sins and rose again so I could have life. And I look forward to eternity in heaven with you. 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you stop by our Connection Center? We'd love to pray with you, talk with you more about that decision that you've made today. Moms, happy Mother's Day. Thanks for joining us today. Pray that you go in His special favor and His wonderful peace. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.